There's something I need you to understand if I'm going to let you go. Okay. Very few humans have seen what you've seen today, and we're determined to keep it that way. So, if you ever reveal our existence, we'll erase your brain. The intervention team will reset you. Your emotions, your memories, your entire personality will be expunged. Your friends and family will think you've gone crazy. You, you won't think anything. You understand? Not one word about us. Okay. Oh, one more thing. You, uh, you bumped into a woman this morning on the bus. Elise? What, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you weren't ever supposed to see her again. <laughs> what is it? What, what does that matter? Because it matters. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. And I'm James. And I'm Colin. <laughs> we're, we're suddenly very formal uh, <laughs> in this uh, continuing saga of the story, the, sorry, the summer of Philip K. Dick pictures. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, I, you know, I mean, you have to, right? Right. Um, in our continuing quest to find another good Philip K. Dick adaptation, because we did some in the past. We did Total Recall. We did Minority Report. But the summer of PKD hmm. has been, it's been hard to find a good one. So did we find a good one this time? Because this time what we're talking about is the story Adjustment Team, which was loosely adapted into Adjustment Bureau from 2011, I think, with Matt Damon and... The Adjustment Bureau. Emily Blunt. Right. Emily Blunt, yes. And, and a dude Anthony from Mad Men. John Slattery. Yes. yes. There you go. Um, and Falcon. Yep, and Falcon. And Carlos Nieto from Third Watch. Correct. Which was a show I watched way back in the day. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, that's what we're talking about. So, since uh, these things tend to be short or... You know, these episodes have been relatively short as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Colin, can you give us a short summary of the story, meaning the commonality, common thread between the short story and the film? Yes. Uh, a man finds out that reality isn't quite what he expected it to be or thought it was, and that unknown forces have been guiding and changing things all along. He is seen yep. behind the curtain. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the long and the short of it. <laughs> uh, the short and the film of it. Yes. Thank you. Right. So, the story. Adjustment team. The adjustment team. Is that what it is? Yep. The adjustment team and the adjustment bureau. Yeah. I forgot the thes. Yes. I, I'm, it's, it's from, uh, what was the one we titled? There are no thes. Arrival, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Arrival and story of your life. <laughs> so it's law of conservation of thes. So the there thes have all come back to us. <laughs> yeah. Story. What do we think? Of the story? Mm-hmm. A uh, little bit of background on the story first. Go for it. Published in 1954 by Philip K. Dick, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Entered the public domain January 1st, 1983, because the oh, magazine really. to which he sold it did not file a copyright extension and nice. uh, therefore became available to the public. Didn't we have that happen huh. recently? On a, I think on the previous story, The Golden Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And this this will come to figure later on because there was actually a lawsuit brought against George Nolfi and uh, Media Rights Capital <laughs> by the let me get this right it's the Philip K Dick Testamentary Trust huh where they didn't want them to be able they they wanted them to pay for rights to the story yes yeah yeah they sued Mr Nolfi and the production company the mm -hmm. production company countersued uh, once the contents of the countersuit were revealed to the trust they w automatically withdrew from all litigation. Because <laughs> they did not want those those things uh, made public and uh, 
judged upon and, and you know made into law. <laughs> Oops. Fascinating. Well, now I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. That's the whole, that's the long and short of it. Do Wait, you, do you have a, a link or something I can put in the show notes about that? Or is that just in the Wikipedia article? That is in the Wikipedia article okay. at the very bottom, not as a footnote. Okay. Nice. So yeah. What are the distinctive, distinctives of the story as opposed to the movie? Well, there's a guy named Ed and he's supposed to go to work. Uh, and then we're introduced to some new people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, we're introduced to the new people first. Yes, it's the clerk mm-hmm. and the summoner, summoner, summoner mm-hmm. who's, who's a dog. black dog. Yes, that's racist. <laughs> and that's actually one of my largest gripes against the movie. I just think it's funny, though. <laughs> they cast Anthony Mackie. They adapted dog. a black no. dog into a black man. No, they could have had a dog. Just a dog. Anybody could have had a dog. I would have been, and the dog should have barked at a very particular important time. The dog could have barked, and then he could have looked out the window and seen Emily Blunt. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Plausible. Yeah. <laughs> so the the dog is supposed to distract Ed and cause him to leave early so that he can get to work early because there's an adjustment that's happening in a certain sector. 174. 174. Mm. And he has to be there on time. Otherwise, bad things will happen. Right. He has to be there for the adjustment. Right. Right. Going to the chiropractor. Right. And the dog falls asleep and George gets to the sector later than he should. And Ed. this is when he determines or finds out that reality isn't quite what he thought it was right everything yes. appears to be made out of like cigarette ash yeah right uh the ground that he's walking on you know sinks as he's walking the through it out, the right? sun goes out yeah uh he goes to touch somebody's arm and like the entire arm comes off mm-hmm. i like how they say everything's been de-energized it's been de-energized right. yeah and then the adjustment team pursues him but he gets away of course Natural. um and he tells his wife his crackpot story about what happened and she doesn't believe him <laughs> right and they go back to the office we're kind of doing, going blow by blow on this story, but it's short. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, read the story if you don't want it spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> we can post a link so you can read it online. You don't have to buy a book yep. for this one. It's uh, on Wikisource. Sweet. Oh, cool. Well, it takes like 20 minutes, maybe less. Yeah. yeah. I read that one on my back porch today. So after watching the movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like a barn burner episode almost. But yeah. yeah. That was the purpose, right? Because of our right. schedules and stuff. Yeah. Right. Make it easy. Because James is about to leave the country, and Colin just got back from the East Coast, so that's another country <laughs> <laughs> from a different country, right? So he meets the old man, right? His his wife agrees to walk him back into the building so that mm-hmm. he doesn't completely freak out, and right. they suspect he's had a nervous breakdown due to stress or overwork, mm-hmm. right? And uh, everything is going fine, so he goes up into the office, and everything is not fine. People are different. His boss right. is younger. Uh, the lady who is buxom is more buxom and fetching and uh, <laughs> people wear clothes they don't wear and people have new purses and he runs out and he gets into a phone booth because he wants to call the police and the phone booth starts ascending into the heavens. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there he meets the chairman. The chairman. No, the old man. Oh, yeah. Um, who, who essentially tells him, look, yeah, we, we make adjustments mm-hmm. now and then. Um, and... So we've got a problem here because you, right. know, you now know too much. And pretty much he promises, well, I won't tell anybody. Um, I'll play it off as if I was insane and, um, and it'll all be good. Yes. No? He, he, I, I, I do like that the old man says, you're going to have another appointment with me at some point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't fix this, it's not going to go well for you. Yes. Um, which gives you the idea that the old man is God, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, I think that's the implication. Um, God or some higher power right. of some kind right so then he goes home uh his wife is frantic because not only has he freaked out 
right uh, during her lunch but then he didn't actually show up at the office right yeah so she's afraid that he has been off with someone else right Mm -hmm. and right in the middle of their argument a vacuum cleaner salesman comes to the front door (laughs) buying him enough time to come up with a new story and ed sits down and looks up at the heavens and says thanks for that i think we're gonna make it through this (laughs) so what was your take on that part oh I, i think it was totally arranged okay why what's yours well, I assume by what you just said, it wasn't the same what he just said. Okay, so, did you think he was just giving him time to come up with a new story? Yeah. Not being adjusted? No, I didn't think that there were, that anyone was going to be adjusted. I thought, oh. it was just, well, it, it is an adjustment, right? But it's just a, it's a very, it's just a distract this person, allowing him to come up with a story. That was, oh, that's what I think it was. You thought, you thought they were coming into oh, yeah, yeah, totally. or something? No, I'm not going blank. I think they're just coming in. The vacuum salesman was adjusting her, so she no longer questions the fact that he was gone all afternoon. Uh, I mean, he 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 had been thinking right up until then. If I just had enough time to come up with a, st- a different story, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think I think the implication. I just think it ties in rather well to the movie. <laughs> well, and, you know, the idea of a vacuum cleaner is how the equipment they were de-energizing is kind right. of described. Big the hoses and right. canisters. Yeah, that's, that's why, that's why so I thought of it. That's plausible. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And then I noticed in the movie, they were like kind of vacuuming over Charlie yeah. to, to adjust him. Vacuuming his brain. Yeah. Dusting <laughs> it off. And so I was like, oh, the vacuum cleaner thing. All right. Cool. Huh. All right. I, I think yeah, that's, I think that's, that's my take. at least uh, a worthy... Yeah. Second theory about right. what, um, what it No, is. no, yours is the worthy second theory. <laughs> Mine is the prime theory. Okay. You can be the subprime theory. Sounds good. That works for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an enjoyable read. Like, you know, like we said, yeah. you know, half hour tops would take right. to read it. So was it in a, you, you read it in the opposite order. You excuse me. You experienced both of the stories in an opposite order than, than I did. And I'm guessing in an opposite order than you did as well. Were you a movie first person or a book first person? Nope, I had seen the movie previously. You had? Yeah. So I was the only person that read the story first and then saw the movie? No, I, I read it years ago when I first, okay. when I first read that, the selected stories of Philip K. Dick. Um, but, but yeah, I, I didn't remember most of the details of it. I just remembered the concept. And so then I watched the movie today and then read the story. Um, during the movie, I think I went, oh, okay, now I remember a little bit from from the story. But it wasn't fresh in my mind at all. Gotcha. Thumbs up on the story, though? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Good All read. Right. Move on to the movie? Anything yeah. else about the story? Uh, uh, online, I've seen discussions about no. how it kind of reflects Philip K. Dick's personal theology, but mm. I didn't do any research down those lines. I didn't either. Yeah. Um, That's the point of a barn burner. Yeah. No homework. <laughs> yeah. It does seem odd that there's something that appears on the surface to be Christian. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Judeo-Christian, maybe. Yeah. Though... I mean, it, so it brings up more questions than it answers, right? And so does the movie. Right. Um, and they're standard theological questions, right? If higher power exists, then why do these things happen? Yeah, okay, granting that this higher power can intervene, why didn't you intervene when A happened? Because um, that's the obvious thing, right? Well, right. if you're going to intervene, why, why aren't you stopping muggings and rapes and domestic violence? Yeah. And I, I think the movie gets around some of that and, and will... We can talk about that. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, uh, one last thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> How would you guys characterize the story? Is it... Uh, what do you mean? Between this story and... Paycheck. 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 Right. Paycheck is science fiction, but it's, I thought it was also very comic. 
it was funny in several areas, mm-hmm. uh, particularly oh, in the ending okay. of it. Yeah. This this book strikes me the same way. Because hmm. the dog has to bark. Right. And then they suck him up to heaven in a telephone booth. Right. <laughs> and right when he's about to confess to his wife about what might have happened, then the vacuum cleaner man shows up. Sure. And yeah. It, it has this tongue-in-cheek humor to it. Yeah. So. It has some, some comedy to it. The movie, not so much. Although, I mean, it has some, some comedic bits in it, as most movies do. Yes. Yeah. Um, I liked I liked the idea of the the dog as the summoner, and if you have mm-hmm. if, if, yeah, if you're funny. the head of an organization that, that, that is supposed to be precise, you, you maybe don't count on a dog <laughs> on right. a warm summer day or whatever uh, to to be awake. Well, what I thought was kind of funny is that he rang, so he wanted the dog to bark at exactly eight fifteen. Yeah, but he tells the dog to bark at eight fifteen. I would have thought the dog to bark at eight fourteen or you know something. Eight fourteen wouldn't have worked either. I think I think early would have been just as bad as late. No 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 no. Like like he was prompting the dog to bark at eight fifteen. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So why wouldn't you prompt him at eight fourteen and thirty seconds? Like all right, are yeah. you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Right. Bark. Yeah, that's on the clerk. You know that that didn't happen. The, mm-hmm. the clerk. Yeah, I think I think he kind of. It's on both of them, but the clerk kind of mm-hmm. dropped the ball too. Right. Yeah, yeah. Holy blame the dog. Well, and and I like the idea because he's though, a dog and it was hot in summer days. You know, yeah, take a nap. I, I like the idea that <laughs> that him summoning at a particular time will summon different things. Yeah, because it wasn't. Yeah, just, it was neat. It, it yeah. wasn't in your in your kind of recap. You you said that he would bark and distract him. It said that barking would cause a friend with a car to show up. That's um, true. Where if he barked at eight sixteen, yeah. then it was. I can't remember what the other one was going to. Oh no, it was the it was the, it was insurance, the insurance salesman. Yeah. Yes. That delayed him, right? So, so it was it was bad, but didn't delay him fully, right? Didn't delay him long enough. Well, if no, delay him he was still ours. He would have been set. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because he still needed to be adjusted though as well. Right. Yeah, because he needed to be in there in order. Which to kind of nothing. actually made me wonder about his wife in that case. Like, if he would have been adjusted while he's at the office, were they going to like after the fact come adjust his wife to take well I into think, account his adjustment? I think the implication is mostly that the adjustment needed to happen to the boss. Because the the old man yeah. talks about it, and he says we need a younger version of right. This guy he he was buy. the one that was the most adjusted from right. what we could tell. Yeah, but everybody else still was slightly adjusted. Yeah. It was noticeable him, even though it's like he couldn't pinpoint anything. Yeah, but something was out of place. It's possible because so, he was out because he lived outside of that sector, and yeah. because the wife wasn't going to be adjusted, that they wouldn't have done much to him other than just alter whatever memories they needed, so that he would not see anything strange at work. What do you okay. Say? But then if there was a company you. party or something, then the wife would see, right. <laughs> your boss was a lot older. That, that uh, Just for Men is really working for him, you know, the Rogaine. Right. Yeah. Although it was, when she walks him back to work, it's pretty obvious that she has never, ever been there before. So she probably only knows him by name and through his descriptions, which right. could have been, you know, reinterpreted, misunderstood. Right. Uh, yeah. We were just about to transition to the movie, and we we, we circled back. Yeah, circled I circled back all the way back. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. No, th- I mean that was worth talking about about the yeah. what adjustment was actually needed. Right. The reason for the adjustment, I think, is also pretty important. So the reason for the adjustment in the story, it was had an international oh, yeah. consequence. Right. So the boss was supposed to speculate on some land, mm-hmm. and there was going to be an archaeological find on the land, which was going to cause an international team of scientists to come together, and this was the beginning of world right. peace. So it's it's a pretty significant reason. Not too far fetched from the film, if you can extrapolate a little bit. A little bit, though. though I think I think it's a larger scale. 
in the story, which is funny right. because the stakes well, seem lower in the story as well. So that's yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think that's something the movie does really well. Mm-hmm. Is you're you are right there with yeah yeah Matt Damon and Emily Blunt yeah Elise and David David yeah I, I think it's it's an interesting kind of optimistic thing from Philip K. Dick, which you don't always get. You know mm-hmm. the idea that right. that science somehow will bring us all together, and of course you know, we can agree on science, um, which is sad. Not even climate change, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Ultimate so, science. And we'll see a lot of that in the second variety. Sweet. Excellent. Sweet. Next month. Yes. Uh, anyhow, yeah, let's talk about the movie. Movie. Um, yeah. It was directed by Newbie. Some, uh, George Nolfi. Nolfi, that's right. Not yeah, Newbie. Yeah, this was his first directing debut, but he has actually written several screenplays. Yeah. He wrote the screenplay for Timeline. Interesting. <laughs> I guess somebody had to. And Ocean's 12. His okay. spec script was turned into the wow. Ocean's 12. Hmm. And then he has a uh, another movie up on Netflix called Spectral. Did somebody rewrite his oh, screenplay I've... for a timeline? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen Spectral on the, on the list, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, overall thoughts on the movie first. It sounded like you were pretty positive on it. You know, mm-hmm. my, one of my tagline is, I love a redemption story. Mm. <laughs> I guess I also love a... Boy meets girl. Boy is separated from girl by science, fast science fiction mm-hmm. causes, right. and then you know sacrifices everything to try and get her back. Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, it is a, re- a redemption story, right? Because because the movie tells about his tough beginnings growing up, right? And he's going to eventually maybe become president. Right. So it's a a different kind of redemption story, right? It's a it's a I don't know what would you call it uh, rags to riches almost. Sort of. I think it's more of a love over destiny kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Romeo versus Juliet, right? We mm-hmm. cannot be together, and yet our love drives us together, right. right? And we're willing to sacrifice everything for it. Yeah, but the movie's not a tragedy. No, oh, it could have been. Could have been. Yeah, <laughs> if Thompson had his way. Yeah, the hammer, Neil before Zod. So you're saying you like the movie? I did. Yeah. Yep. I yep. thought there was great chemistry between uh, David and Elise. Yep. It, that kind of thing appeals to me. Mm-hmm. James, you had already seen it, right? Yep. So you already knew it was a good movie. Yep. I agree. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, I was a big fan too. Um, I mean, it has I, Emily Blunt. Where can you go wrong? That's true. <laughs> we, we've done one other Emily Blunt movie, which is Edge of Tomorrow, which was also good. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it was great. Um, mm-hmm. I The chemistry, that was like the, the first thing I wrote down. It was off the charts chemistry between them, which was great because you don't always get that. Yeah. See, next, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, or, or really even Uma Thurman and... Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. So not, you not could, a lot going there, either. Well, that's probably, so, I, I just blame Ben Affleck. Yeah. He's, he's I know, terrible. You, you always blame him. Yeah. Given that you couldn't remember his name, I think you blame him, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So so between, you know, Affleck and Damon, you know, they're these old friends right. and stuff. Damon wins. Uh, Damon wins this one. Yeah. Although although there's a famous uh, crack from Obama <laughs> about Matt Damon. <laughs> did you read it in the Wikipedia? <laughs> I did. This, this is really funny. So oh. Obama, his ratings were down. Uh-huh. And Matt Damon had apparently made some comment about that. How he and was I, disappointed in, in how he was doing, and or he was disappointed in the president. Yes. <laughs> and he was at a conference, uh, a media conference, where he was. they were wisecracking all around. <laughs> yeah. And so he said he wanted to tell Mr. Damien that even though... Uh, yeah, you, you're disappointed in me. I just saw adjustment. I just took Michelle to see adjustment bureau. Right back at you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have the presidency for Emily Blunt? I mean... Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I have to That's disagree funny. with uh, Mr. Obama about that. Um, <laughs> I think it was all in jest. 
I think it was, yeah. Yeah. For, for the most part. Uh, no, that was good. I thought it was a fair extrapolation of the short story as well. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it, it takes... It takes the concept and runs with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's a bit different in pretty much every, every other way. Is, yeah, yeah. It's different. Um, because like like I said earlier, the, the stakes feel right. higher, higher yeah. you know, because it's not just, well, the, st- the personal stakes, right? The yeah. personal stakes in this one, that's what this one's all about. The, the story is all about right. the stakes for humanity as a whole. Right. And... So, but I like that in a movie, you know, I, yeah. I, I like big, well, I, wide think, I think it would have been unrelatable if you tried to go humanity as a whole. Yeah. That's right. one of the successes of the movie is it really, you mm-hmm. are there with David, you empathize with David, you follow right. his character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got really engaged into it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going back to what I said about the extrapolation bit, mm-hmm. it's like, I've, we've talked about this before where short stories tend to make better basis for adaptations than full length novels. Yeah. And I think that's one of the one of the things that went well with this one is they they started off with a very short concept of a story, and they yeah. took the same concept and just ran with it. And right, the the key difference, of course, is in the story Ed is supposed to be at work to be adjusted. Right, and in the movie he's not supposed to be at work while the adjustment is happening. So the the fact yeah. that he arrives right. at work when he was supposed to be delayed that's the problem. Right, so that's the kind of inciting incident. It's it's almost opposite. And know? he adapted the dog into. Falcon. <laughs> Mackey, yeah. Well, they're, they eliminated the role of the summoner, right? They're all the clerk, essentially. Yeah. They're all, they reminded me of the observers from Fringe. Only, totally. Only they weren't bald and, and completely hairless right. and, and very white. <laughs> but yeah, but, but the business suits and the hats, mm-hmm. and then later on, well, yeah, that was hats. Fun. Yeah. Yes. Fedora powered teleportation. Yes. Fedora portation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they were fedoras, but. That's awesome. Um, some more. Yes. Uh, what else? What else we got here? You know, it, it does other things from the story, though, right? You you get to meet with the higher power and be told, you know, you right. have to hide mm-hmm. all this, otherwise, we're going to come back and turn you into a drooling vegetable. A drooling yeah. vegetable, well, right. not really, but you're not going to remember anything about what happened. We're going right. to reset you. Yeah. The interesting thing there is there's there's layers of bureaucracy, where where he you know in the story he goes straight to the old man, right? Well, the old man pulls right. him right up, right? Um, and gives him the story where, where in this one, the John Slattery character, I don't even know what his name was. Richardson. Richardson. Um, gives him the talk in the, in the warehouse. I, I mean, love when he tries to run away and just flies fall on his face. Right. <laughs> Did you think I would Falls that flat on his face. Falls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Nice. Very nice. And I, it was also a nice <laughs> touch for me to have the Anthony Mackie character to be there with his massive sense of guilt for mm-hmm. all the crappy things he's done yeah. to David throughout his entire life right. in order to bring him to the point where he's going to go into politics and become the president. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there is some implication there. It's not, some of that isn't explicit, right? The, the, it's more the things they didn't intervene in, I thought. No, I mean, uh, Richardson no. and, the, yeah. and uh, the other the guy are talking, Anthony Mackey's character talking, is like, are you still strung up you know, about, about the father? So mm, yeah. to well, me, it did seem like there was direct intervention. Okay. Yeah, there was a conversation between Harry and David as well, where he basically told him that his mother was chance, his brother and father were not. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, yes. That's, that's the more in, uh, explicit yeah. explanation of that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot I think that this movie got right. Um, one of the things I really liked was the door travel. That was that was very cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, just the, the, and the way they introduce it, where where Damon's fleeing up further up in the building, and he c- keeps running into Richardson. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, how is he doing that? Is it, is it teleportation? Or is, 
That was cool. Just knowing where a door leads, I guess. If you're going to have guys wearing business suits and hats, I mean, John Slattery is your guy. Right? Definitely. Mad Men. Mad For Men. sure. He, he yeah. just wasn't drinking enough scotch, smoking <laughs> enough cigars. <laughs> yes. I I was questioning, and this is something I wanted to get back to, right? And I, I wrote this down. I was like, are they going to ask big questions here? Because if mm-hmm. once they present that here we intervene in order to, you know, to meet a plan, right? right. Well, if, if there's a plan, then why don't we intervene and stop all injustice and stop, you know, wars and murders right. and, and, and all that kind of stuff? And they, they introduce the concept of the ripples, right? Right. Where there's, they can intervene to a certain point with, you know, on, with one subject, mm-hmm. but if they cause too many ripples, um, then they're not allowed, right? You're over your ripple quota. Right, right. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Where then it has, they, have to, they have to go up to the next level, right? They have, to, they have to send that one upstairs, kick it upstairs, and Thompson will come and he'll fix it. Yeah. I loved his dialogue about the illusion of free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. Well, and what, what free will gets men, right? Gets, gets mankind. Right. Yeah, it sounds like they were just doing they're doing just enough to keep humanity in existence. Right. And that's it. It yeah. reminded me of the scene from uh the Matrix sequel. The second movie. Oh. The, the scene the, the architect scene? Oh, the architect the scene. Architect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only yes. more comprehensible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it it kind of being that vague and being that hey, we're just doing this and up this much mm-hmm. kind of answers your question, well, why, why don't you do this and this and this and this? Right. Because doing those things doesn't really impact large scale, big picture humanity, right? Right. They're they're not really looking to the welfare of every individual person. They're right. looking for kind of the greater good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there's also the the question of the plan being revised, because because when they get into that destiny, right. star crossed lovers kind of thing, they were meant mm-hmm. to be together in the seventies, in the plan from the seventies, and the plan mm-hmm. from the eighties, and the plan from the nineties. Right. But the plan was changed. And so now they have this strong pull to each other because they are destined to be together. They're meant to be together. But the current plan says, no, they're not supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's a fascinating idea that the, that the path could change. And, you know, from a theology point of view, I remember having discussions like this in college, you know, when, when I was studying theology and stuff and, and about um, the, the idea of, of God's perfect plan for everyone. You know, you're like, well, well, what if you jump off of it? Then, then now are you on a parallel plan that's, that's <laughs> trying to get you back to the, the same spot? But with, you know, you can't undo the damage that you did to that. Where are you going to end up? Are you going to end up the same place, you know, married to the same person, you know? But you know, Christian universities, you end up talking about free will and determinism all the time. <laughs> and it usually just devolves into that. And you have the Calvinists yelling at you. <laughs> so, sorry, Calvinists, you're all lovely people. It's just your theology sucks. <laughs> but it was destined to be so. <laughs> you couldn't help it because you were chosen to be that way. Yes, I like the I like their tech. You know the books with the that show oh. show the stuff because oh, that, that was cool. the, it yeah. looks a lot like the way it's described in the movie. And I'm sorry, in, in the, the story, uh, story, yeah, where it's a big like a big map, yeah, that, that's kind of animated. So I like the little you know, there's inflection points coming up. You know where or or just the the idea. You know, okay, if they kiss. It's all over. We can't do anything about it. <laughs> no. So you you mentioned, or maybe you mentioned, the vacuuming, right? Right. Where where, where he comes in and um, yeah, I think yeah, it's funny he's, how he's long it takes him to catch on the vacuum. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's how long. It's interesting how long it takes him to notice that everybody's. Frozen. Oh yeah, he was. I, mean, I thought it was hilarious how oblivious he was right. for a very long time. <laughs> I definitely noticed it before he did. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I mean, it's possible that I had seen it in the trailer for it when it first mm-hmm. came out, but um, 
I'm like, eh, nobody's moving. <laughs> <laughs> but Kathy, my wife, really enjoyed the movie as well. She hasn't mm-hmm. read the story. Okay. Um, but she pointed out a couple of moral issues that, you know, because I really liked the movie. And she said, well, how did you feel about them having a one-night stand? It wasn't a one-nighter. It was. Well, it ended up being... Well. They had a one-nighter, and then he went to the dance recital, and she broke her leg because Thompson said so. And he said, uh, she can either end up teaching sixth graders with you, yeah. or she can be a world-renowned uh, dancer and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you yeah. Be I still don't think... I, I think on, you know, objectively, yes, it was a one-night thing, but it wasn't a one-night stand. I think subjectively it was not. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't meant to be that way. A one-night stand has a certain implication to it, right? Right. That, this, that it meant nothing. And One they ended done. previously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other part was that she wasn't... She didn't really like the idea that uh, Adrian got left at the altar. Ah, uh, he was a douche. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, he was. To me, it was thinking, you know, <laughs> she wasn't meant for him anyway. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I did I did actually have that thought. Uh, you know, poor fiancé getting dumped twice. You can't stand in the way of love, man. Well, it's better he get dumped than get married to the wrong person. So, um, My wife watched the movie, and then the credits rolled, and she went, that was weird. <laughs> this is my, my wife, the muggle. She's not really a science fiction fan. Um, yeah, Kathy did like the door travel. What about Emily? What did she think? Emily liked the love story. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, she was actually a bit skeptical about watching the movie in the first place, and I mentioned it, but it was for the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until, uh, until I showed her the trailer. And the second she saw that Emily Blunt was in it, she's like, I'm watching it. <laughs> nice. Girl crush, huh? Yep. <laughs> uh, IMDb points out this is the first in three time travel movies that Emily Blunt does. Uh, oh, adju- Looper. The Adjustment yeah. Bureau, uh, Looper, yeah. and... Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Is this really a time travel movie, though? No, yeah, it's not really a time travel movie. What would you really call it a time travel movie? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, technically, teleportation is time travel. Yeah. You're, different point, you're at a different point in space-time. When you come out the other side, yeah. and there time was, traveling right now. True, yes. <laughs> but you're, you're traveling, just going one second per second. Yeah. <laughs> there was another thing that someone pointed out in IMD, which I thought was completely wrong, and it said, uh, with a good enough description of Elise, any decent private investigator should have been able to find her within three years' time. Right, and you would think on the surface that to be true, unless mm. <laughs> the adjustment bureau is there to. You know, you cause return. traffic accidents and shut down right. the telephones and shut down the mobile telephones yeah. and yeah I thought that was pretty impressive You're yeah. just like whoop <laughs> See, my, my thinking was if you want him to forget about a girl that he meets in the bathroom don't make her Emily Blunt <laughs> he, well, was, he was in a state at that point I don't think she had to be Emily Blunt in if order Harry to. had done his job it probably would have worked Right, but right. and, and I, th- I thought it was you know consistent with the story that he yeah. nodded off. Yeah, um, is a little uncomfortable with with uh, the black lab character being played by Anthony Mackie. Um, <laughs> yep. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a solid role, and 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 he's got tons of charisma, and um, oh yeah, he was great. I thought he was perfect. Yeah, well, so. and I empathized with him as well. You know, he mm. had this guilt over what he'd been mm. doing to David, and he he broke rules in telling David, right? You know, we if there is water all around us, they won't hear us, and we won't be able to tell wait, tell you what decisions right. you're going to make because we can't really read your mind. We just know what decisions you're going to make in your decision tree. Right. Yeah, that, that was an interesting concept. The the idea he phrased of, it as a choice. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
There was an original ending to the movie. Did you read about this? Yes. Um, Very interesting. Oh, I don't know about this one. This is cool. Okay. Uh, In the end, they were supposed to meet the chairman. And the chairman was going to be played by an... I wrote it down. Uh, Morgan Freeman. No, no. I'm just kidding. Shari Uh, Have you seen The Expanse? No. Oh, you haven't? No. Okay. She's the lady with the voice. Um, If if, if you've ever seen her or anything, she has this very specific, very smoker voice, Uh kind of Middle Eastern sounding. It's just, it's like distilled pure awesome is her her voice. Um, I don't usually like like smoker voices. This is what turned me off of Janeway in... uh, Voyager, <laughs> Captain Janeway. Um, but man, she yeah, she's fantastic. She plays Alpha Sorella in um, The Expanse. Um, she's okay. not in the first book, but yeah, she's awesome. And she, I think she was like cool. on, on twenty four at some point too. But yeah, she was going to play the chairman, and then they decided eh, we want to leave it a little more ambiguous. Um, we don't. They wanted to keep it a little more ecum- ecumenical, you know. Like let let anybody fill in their mm-hmm. uh, right. religious sensibility yeah. in some way. So. Making the god character be a woman, you know, that would have turned off a lot of most of the South, probably. Too shack. <laughs> What's that? Too much like the shack. Too much like the shack, yeah. They decided to cut that, and, and the, the director felt bad about it, but, you know, what are you going to do? I think I think it's the right call. Um, I'd like to see the deleted scene. Yeah. Yeah. I looked to see if the DVD, because I watched it online at Amazon, if there was a commentary or uh, a... A making of or something else, and I couldn't find it. Not at least not the copy the library has. Hmm. You know, we weren't the only people that liked this movie. Uh, it was it was very financially successful. It was yep. yeah, pretty modest budget actually. It was like a fifty yeah. million dollar budget. Yeah, and so. it made one hundred and one hundred and twenty seven million. Yeah, not bad. I would take a share of that. Seventy two percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep, that's uh, pretty much if you add up the tomato meter for the previous two movies we did. Yeah, <laughs> um, then you're still shy of seventy two. I think. <laughs> I liked I like when Anthony Mackie is giving him the pep talk, you know, the spending all night going over what he's going to do, right? Yes. Tra- training him on how to turn the doorknob just right. Right. Um, what is it? You, only we turn it to the left. Yep. You turn it to the left for the travel, right? No, clockwise. Right. Don't clockwise. turn it. Yeah. Which is right. Oh, so, because yeah, because it'd be bad if you turned it to the left. You don't know yeah. want to know what would happen. Yeah. Yes. And and I like that he he said, look, just pretty much be suspicious of anybody wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Which and then and then he comes out and you're like everybody's got a hat on. <laughs> yep. Yankees hats everywhere. So all hats are threatening. I thought that was funny because it kind of gave the implication that more than just the fedoras were necessary. But really, only ever saw anybody wearing fedoras. And the whole hat thing explains something that happens during the original chase scene, when Richardson mm-hmm. his hat falls off and he stops and goes back to get the hat, and I'm like. Right. You could have caught him. Yeah. Why did you have to go back? Well, he had to go back and get the hat. Otherwise, he wasn't going to be able to go do the door travel. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it was. I think it was very tightly written that way, mm-hmm. with lots of little hints and things about what's going on, like nobody moving when he comes into the office. And yeah. why did you go back to get the hat? Well, the hat must be important, and why? Yeah. I'd be interested to go back and watch this one again, because I was reading in the Wikipedia article some of the stuff about the production and how he used a lot of crane shots and, and very ordered shots when showing what Adjustment Bureau was doing, and then a lot more handheld stuff when it was from Matt Damon's perspective. Oh. So, so like, the, the, oh, the idea of the order and the chaos. Yeah. Um, and I I can't say that I noticed that. I noticed that there was some beautiful shot composition in several places, but um, I couldn't have told you that, oh, well, that's thematically telling you that this is what uh, the Adjustment Bureau is doing. Mm, yeah. But true. I wonder if that's the thing that operates down on the subconscious level, that you notice yeah. it but aren't analyzing it mm-hmm. 
Back to the the one night stand idea. Uh, I have to agree with Colin's concept of elliptical sex in movies, uh, meaning what fade to black, <laughs> f- fade to them waking up together in the morning. You, you forgot oh, okay. about elliptical sex? <laughs> yes. So oh. There's the ellipsis, you know, in, in some some book that you were reading, right? In in Piers Anthony. Yeah. So yeah, oh, it's really? called the adult conspiracy and. Okay. Uh, basically, it says you don't have to show people having sex. Right. You can have them look and speak to each other in a way that you know what's going to go on, and then they right. go into a bedroom and you close the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah, dot, I would dot, agree dot. with that. Yada yada yada. Yada yada yada. yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I mentioned the bisque. Yeah. I mentioned the bisque. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, I'm. I I understand in some films you have a, a sex scene or whatever, and you show off some nude body parts, and I guess you're doing <clears> that for artistic reasons or to put some butts in the seats. So I, I don't really get the PG-13 love scene. I don't understand why it exists. Um, you think it should either be R or PG? Yeah, pretty much. I'm not saying that it's a, a real gripe, but right. I favor the, the fade to black, like in the Truman Show, right? Yeah. They never show anything. Just, <laughs> the music comes up and then they, they you know, yeah. show the view of the window or something. They show the curtains blowing in the breeze. Yeah, no, but uh, good movie. We, we got a good one. Woo, yes. high five. Finally. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, so is it going to be downhill from here? What, what do we think? Oh, we didn't rank them. Should we rank them? We should rank them. Are oh, we really going to disagree? I don't know. Let's, I don't let's, know. Let's, 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 you, want, you want to go last? I'll go last. What are we going to say? What are you going to say? I would go probably go movie story. I also would go movie story. I feel yeah. like the movie did more with it. Yeah. Yeah. With the concept. That's not to say that the story was necessarily worse. I just... No. A good concept, and I think the movie did well with taking that concept and... Running doing something with it. with it. Yeah. It's kind of predictably pro-adaptation of both of you, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> no, no, he's, I he's mean, we've never guy. heard this before from either one of you, especially because this time you happen to be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has to happen every now and then. Yeah. Right? So. I like the movie so much that I kept seeing different pieces mm-hmm. of the story show up in different places and going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's that stroke and there's that stroke. I still right. didn't want to see a talk. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I really wanted a dog. I just laughed when I realized what Harry's role was. <laughs> like, ah, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. yeah. It didn't make me laugh. I swear I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's, and, and this is something that we've, we've come to kind of realize over, over the time we've been doing the podcast, right? There's different ways of defining what's faithful to a an adaptation, right? Yeah. Mm. Where like, okay, you got the spirit of that right. And so I'm going to say, yeah, good job. Um, and it, right. other times you're like, well, that's not an adaptation. It's iRobot, right? It's not an adaptation. It never was an adaptation, oh, yeah. no. as yeah. we learned. But Not a bad movie on its own. Right. But yeah, not a, not a direct yeah. adaptation of... of yeah. Well, that's why... Or this, I feel like... What I meant, Lori alluded earlier to earlier was, I think we had a previous conversation about this, that short stories make better yeah. sources for movies than... Full-length novels, right? But but even in this even case, Stephen right? King would agree with me, right? Well, he, he said the ideal length was 120 pages. pages. Okay. Yeah, 120 pages is the story. right length to adapt. <laughs> yeah, and but what I'm saying is, like, you you can take a short story and adapt it more or less, not word for word, but um, turn it very faithfully into a film, right? And have that work from short story to film and actually and make it a good film. Nicely. Yeah. Um, in this case, they didn't do that. They lifted the concept out and right. then dressed it up differently and, and yeah. kind of went a different direction-ish right. with it, focused more on the personal. Yeah, they made it less abstract and more personal. They yeah. brought in a love story to bring up the stakes even higher. Mm-hmm. And then they also made the uh, the clerks personal. Yeah. 
Right. I yeah, think you- as long as you don't mention a specific time in the morning, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. 8.15. <laughs> Could they not have had a clock saying 8.15? I don't know what time you went into the office. If it was 10 a.m., that would be perfect. That would have been. Hmm. Might have to go back and review that. Yes. Somebody <laughs> sent us a screenshot of, of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, we got a good one. Uh, so next month, we, we may be heading back downhill. Uh, I don't know. But it looks... I don't know. At least... So we're, we're talking about for... August, yes. August. Uh, talking August. about Second Variety, which is another short story in Selected Stories of Philip K. Dick. Yep. Um, and is that one in the public domain as well? It is. You can grab okay. a copy of this on Gutenberg. Cool. cool. And that was adapted into the 1990 film, I think it was, uh, Screamers, starring Peter Weller. Yeah. And uh, it looks craptacular, so... <laughs> but it may be just, like, perfect 90s cheese, which... Sweet. You know, I kind of look back on, like, Charlton Heston films as that 70s cheese, right? The right. Omega Man and Soylent Green. Yeah. Uh, there's there's definitely a 90s cheese where computer graphics were not quite sophisticated enough to really right. hold up very well. And and so I'm curious what the mix is going to be of computer effects and practical effects and screamers. For screamers. Because yeah. I don't know. I've never seen it. Me neither. Any, any of us? Nope. I've not seen it. I've read the story before. You've read the story before, and you probably have, have not. not. Cool. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to move into the horror genre of Philip K. Dick's writing with this. Yes. And um, then the plan is, in September, we will do Weekend... Not Weekend Remove. What, what's it called? Blade Runner? Yes. Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Right. And Blade Runner. And then we may do a very, brief, very, very brief episode talking about the Blade Runner sequel, if we all see it. So we'll see. Right. We'll see what that happens, and we'd probably do that as a bonus episode in October. Which, since I've got another podcast now, I'm like, that's more editing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody can say um or no. I, it's not like I edit out all the ums or all the farts. Um. <laughs> so James and I are just going to look at each other, and we're going to start talking over each other at the same time because he loves editing out that. I really do. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. <laughs> if we did a better job of uh, soundproofing our, our little situation here, it might all right. might help. Man. All right, I think we got to get out of here. Yep. Okay, we'll do it. So uh, until next time, until next month, we as we continue our. Summer of Philip K. Dick stories and films. Uh, we'll leave you with the Philip K. Dick adjustment team-themed blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may your summoners always stay awake. Or may, may, your, may your hat stay on your head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're ready to sign off. Yeah? Yep. yep. Okay, bye everybody. Ciao. None of that's relevant. <laughs> Not in the least. <laughs> nope. Not so, at all. We'll, we'll adjust that later in post. <laughs> <laughs>